I put this on Facebook uh, yesterday, and I'm going to read it to you. Uh, I thought it was just a quite significant, uh, significant dealing in the Lord of where the Lord has, has had me and some of the things we said last week and maybe the week before. And we're going to expound a little bit further in that. In, and I just read it like I wrote it. Recorded in John 18, Jesus says to Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. What does Jesus mean his kingdom is not of this world? That's a question. Many believers are looking for God to set up Jesus as king in the Middle East and to rule with a rod of iron. I believe Jesus will rule, but I believe Jesus does rule. The challenge with the concept that he will simply come someday and set up a throne and tell us what to do is our hearts. When Jesus walked with them in the days of his flesh, many saw his miracles, his love, his graciousness, and many did not walk after his word or even believe him. In the days of the presence of God in Israel, we see the same thing. God was among Israel as a cloud and a fire, but yet they did not walk after Him. Why then do we believe that someday it will just happen that Jesus comes and sits on a throne and all at once people will hear and obey Him? Why do we believe that? I believe we have an issue with our hearts and minds. Jeremiah the prophet wrote, The heart of man is desperately wicked who can know it. Consider even after we are born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, we still have issues in our own heart. If you read the Apostle James book, you will see many of these issues of the heart. Also, they are throughout Paul's writings. However, rather than focus too much here, what is the solution? And I wrote the kingdom of God in operation. That's the solution, the kingdom of God in operation. Remember, Jesus said the kingdom does not come with observation. He also declared in the parable of the sower and the seed that he was speaking of the mystery of the kingdom of God. In the summation of the parable, it was that the seed that was planted into men and women's hearts would bring forth fruit from those it was planted in. It was not simply that the seed be planted, but that it would bring forth. I believe there is a cry deep in every believer's heart for a bringing forth of fruit unto God. This fruit that is brought is the operation of the kingdom of God. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. The Apostle Paul says in James 4 that wars come from our lusts or the desires of our hearts. One translation calls these desires passions at war within us. In the taking of Jesus, these passions are demonstrated by the high priest and those with him. It is also demonstrated by Peter as he takes out his sword and cuts off Malchus' ear. I wouldn't be surprised if Peter wasn't trying to take his head instead. These are examples of the operations of the kingdoms of the world. Where do they come from? From within man, from his heart. Now even in the taking of Jesus, what does Jesus do? He heals Malchus. 
He also says to those that have come to take him to let these go that are with him and to take him instead. He gives himself for his disciples. What we see here is the kingdom of God in operation. Jesus laying down his life. Jesus healing those that would kill him. This is God's kingdom. It is a different nature. It is not of this world. Coming from within Jesus is a whole different nature, a whole different kingdom. Jesus didn't simply tell the high priests and those that come to kill him how they should act. Jesus demonstrated God's kingdom while they were out to kill him. Therefore, our hearts and minds must be transformed to know his nature, his kingdom. Almost done. In Isaiah 2.4, the prophet wrote, They shall beat their swords to plowshares. Much of the time when we read this with our minds, parentheses, thoughts, we look into some distant future to see this fulfilled. However, by the Spirit of God, we can see this fulfilled in the lives of Peter and Paul. Both men were men of the sword. Both men beat their swords to plows and spears to pruning hooks or pruning knives. In the book of Acts, it is recorded how Peter and Paul planted the word, parentheses, seed of God, throughout the earth. At that time, they were planting, sowing, watering, weeding, and looking for a harvest of the seed unto the Lord. They had become workers in God's garden to bring forth fruit unto the Father by cultivating the seed of God in men's hearts. Paul had laid down the sword of Saul of Tarsus. Peter had laid down the sword that cut off Malchus' ear. This is what it means to beat your sword into plowshares. It may be physical swords, guns, words of your mouth, hatred of your heart. But since the days of Jesus and the pouring out of the Holy Ghost, men and women have beat their swords into plowshares and become workers in God's planting. This is the kingdom of God in operation. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I wanted to read that because, because I really felt of, of the Lord it was quite significant. I, I, I sometimes... You know, Anita's told me in the past, your, your posts are too long. And I'm like, well, I can't say what I'm trying to say. Like a lot of people will throw out three words and, you know, ever how many followers follow them, they will. And she's, she's tried to tell me that. And I'm like, well, I can't. I can't it's, if, if, and it goes into what I said last week. If you don't take time to read your Bible, you, you, you know, not going to know, but, but it's part of, I think, the, the fast-paced society we live in that people want a Facebook post that says, God is good. And then, you know, I'm kidding, saying a thousand people like it, share it, and send it out because it's God is good. It's fast. It's easy. God is good. And He is good. But how is it good? See, boy, that, that leaves a lot of holes. God is good. That leaves a lot of holes. How is He good? When, when we hear that, that should be asking our hearts, well, how's God good? Amen. My Lord Jesus. And then if I'm going to talk about the goodness of God, it's going to take me a little bit of um, uptime and effort. Yeah. And see, every, everything, everything of God that we're going to get out of God requires a little bit of time and effort. It does. 
It doesn't just fall off and it's not like an apple. You walk under an apple tree and it's just going to fall off and hit you on the head. It just won't. Because, you know, it's principles of the kingdom of God. Jesus said, seek. What did he say to seek first? The kingdom of God. He said to seek first. So what should you be seeking? The kingdom of God. So if I don't understand the kingdom of God, and I'm a Christian, and I listen to Jesus' words, if I think Jesus' words are, are, are important, and they, they, they evidently are because he's the king of the kingdom, Amen. then I should listen to what he says. Seek first or foremost the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen. That should be foremost in us. And unfortunately, many of God's people have little to no reality of the kingdom of God. Many of God's people don't even believe the kingdom of God's here. So come here someday. Yeah. Not what Apostle Paul said. It's not what Jesus said. Jesus said to the Pharisees, He said, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Yes, sir. It's here. The authority of God's Word was there. Apostle Paul said the kingdom of God is. What's is mean? He didn't say the kingdom of God is going to be. He said the kingdom of God is. In other words, it's present. The first part that you should get out of what Paul writes is that the kingdom of God is righteousness. Right now, it's righteousness. It's peace. And it's joy. And then he tells you where it's at. In the Holy Spirit. So it is. So it's a present operating reality. And we that are part of God's kingdom should be... And, and Paul writes that you have been translated. You have been. What does have been mean? It's happened. <laughs> you have been translated out of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Well, if I'm in the kingdom of God's Son, should I understand something about the kingdom? Probably. Isaiah the prophet wrote that his kingdom has no end. So if I'm in the kingdom of his son, I'm in a kingdom that's never going to end. It's not going to stop. It's not. It, it is. It, it absolutely is right now in our midst. But we, if we, if we allow, and, 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 uh, and the Lord's going to have to help me with what, which, which He does have to help me every week with what I'm going to try to get across, and I really want to get this across, and we'll get in the Scriptures about it, but I'm going to say it. A lot of times I hold off until I get in the Scripture, but I'm going to say it. Our mind has to be changed to what is real in God. Write that down. If you write any notes down, I say, our mind, has to be changed to what is real in God. Okay? And our mouths have to begin to agree with it. 
other words, what you say. What you say needs to be in alignment with the truth that's in Christ. A lot of things we say, and I don't, I don't teach a lot like this, but, but I guess we're going through this one because it's here. We say things all the time that's not true in God because we perceive them by the flesh. Because we're perceiving things out of the flesh realm. And instead of saying the truth in the Spirit, we'll speak out of what we perceive in the flesh. We say, well, why, why don't the kingdom of God operate like it did in Jesus' time? Maybe people tell us what you're saying. Maybe you're not agreeing with the Lord. Maybe if we just agree with God and believe what He said, it worked. Work for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He said, Well, he was God. Well, it worked for him. And he said, What I've he said, What I've done, you do also. First thing people will come and say when you read that, well, he didn't mean that. Well, why did he say it? Why didn't he say, you know, I, I really don't mean it this way. He said, He said, The works that I do, you Shout out also. Now, y'all are getting double portions this morning because this ain't in my notes. So, so we, 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 we have, well, the words come to me I don't really like, but I'm going to use it. We have belittled, made small what he said. Instead of thinking, yeah, what you said, Lord, I agree. You said it. Back up, Father. You said it. So, so I, I don't have to back it up. He does. He said it. It's his word. It's his word. Amen. So he's able to back up everything he said through his, through his body. He's able to. It worked for Paul. It worked for Peter. Read your Bible. It worked. What Jesus said worked. And not only would you do what He's done, He said, greater works than we've taught on greater works before. Greater works than these. And see, a lot of the deep, a lot of people that have seen greater works, they have discounted the, the miracles and signs and wonders because they saw the greater works was the resurrection life, was the understanding of the Spirit, and bringing people into that reality. But, but it never, Jesus never said, when you come to the reality of the greater works, then these others are going to disappear. Did he? No. He actually confirmed what Paul was saying through what? Through the miracle side of the waters. And Paul, I, I'd have to argue, probably had about as good of a revelation of Jesus as any one of us do. And Paul was still doing miracle signs and wonders. So why do we that have got some revelation let this come and creep into our heart that, well, He may not want to heal people like He used to. Did He say that He wasn't going to want to heal people like He used to? Don't think so? But, but see, see, we agree with things that aren't true. You know that? We agree with them. We do. 
And so when we agree with things that are not true, what are we doing? We're allowing, maybe we're allowing warfare in our, in our, in ourselves because we're allowing, and, it, and this is some things I'm seeing and, and kind, of, kind of having the Lord work out of me. We're allowing things. We are. We're just allowing them. Allowing them to be. Anyway, we've been in John 18 for a while, so I'm going to start here. In John 18:33. Like I said, you got a little double portion this morning. Everybody smile. John 18:33. We're not done. We're just starting. <laughs> it says, Pilate, verse 33, John 18, verse 33. Pilate therefore entered again into Praetorium. I, as many times I've read this, I should look up how to pronounce it, but I haven't. Praetorium, and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered and said, Sayest thou this of yourself, or did others tell it you concern me? In other words, are you coming to the conclusion that I'm the king of the Jews, or is that what you've heard, Pilate? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? What does it mean to me? I'm not a Jew. Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and chief priests delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom, this is, this is the part we're honing in on, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. In other words, if my kingdom was of this world, Pilate, you'd be in trouble. Because <laughs> my servants would fight, and I wouldn't go to the cross. Now, he didn't say all that, but, but, but it, my servants are going to fight if it's of this world, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. Well, actually, he, did, he didn't say it in those words, but that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from here, or hence. My kingdom is not from here. It's not of this world. It's not of this nature. It's not of this character. It's not. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king? Then Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. You say I am. And what Pilate, What was the subscription Pilate made him write over? See, he, Jesus told him, said, You say I am. Now what did Pilate write? Tell him to write. The king of the Jews. See, Pilate did say, Jesus is the king of the Jews. So to this, and Jesus says, To this end or to this purpose, to this goal, have I been born, and to this end have I come. I've come to be the king. To this end am I come into the world that I should bear witness of the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hear of my voice. And of course, Pilate goes down and asks him what's truth and so forth. But we're going to stop there. My kingdom is not of this world. And we've looked at that and we just read that in what I... Some of that and what I wrote in uh, the uh, Nuggets of Revelations that I posted on Facebook. My kingdom's not of this world. It's not the nature of the world. It's not Peter taking out the sword and wanting to cut off Malchus' head or ear or whatever Peter was trying to do then. It is, it is a different kingdom. It doesn't even originate from the world. And so... When you, when you look at the word kingdom, it means royalty, rule, realm. Yes. So, and the word 
world is the cosmos or orderly arrangement, the adornment. So that's what he's saying, the cosmos, because the reason I get break these down, there's more than one word in the King James Bible, if that's what you read, that is translated world, and they all don't mean the same thing. This one is dealing with the arrangement of things, the order of things, the, the fashion of, of the people. And 1 John, if you flip over 1 John 2, start at verse 9. And this, this we read over these things, and, and you know, I, I read them a, a hundred times and, or more in... They've not meant as much as they do now because the Lord's placing significance on them in my heart. And in verse 9 it says, Whosoever says he is in the light and hates his brother (laughs) is in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But, But whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, the Word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world. Now, now, here, here you know, I, I'm not trying to pick on what I come up in, but, but this was a, one of the passages that, that, that I, we love to use. Do not love the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in it. And then we would preach, Waverly, how you should live from there. But what I missed was the first was the scriptures up above. Because John was talking about loving your brother. Okay? You get a hold of that part? John's talking about that if a man loves not his brother, he's not walking in the light. He's not walking in the understanding of Christ. And see that he comes down and says, Do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, and whosoever does the will of God abides forever. Now, must just throw this out here. When John's writing this, the Old Testament world is literally passing away. Yep. Now, now it's literally passing away. That that they're they're coming up to the day right near John's writing where they're going to destroy the Roman soldiers are going to move in and destroy that old temple and system. But it has a spiritual implication. It has implication to our hearts and to our minds. So, so part of that is the world John's talking about, but also what John's talking about, in, and I see this all through John, Paul's, Peter's, James' writings, is the, is the relationship of the church with one another. 
I told you the Lord really dealt with me a few weeks ago in Amos. And I go in Amos and I, and I get into the book of Amos and I'm studying the book of Amos and I'm looking all in, over the book of Amos for righteousness because I, I believe I'm in this profound revelation. That's what I'm sitting there expecting, Brother Bob, is God's dealt with me to read Amos. I'm going to see something there I haven't seen before. It's an idea, but it wasn't what I expected. Okay? What I, what I saw was the relationship that Israel was having with one another. And, and I believe this is, this is holding the church back from being what it is in the earth. Because it doesn't discern or understand the body of Christ. I I believe this, this is one of the big things, or maybe the big thing, that's affecting the church in a very, very significant way. Yes. Because the church is walking around, I'm Pentecostal holy. I'm Baptist. I'm Presbyterian. They identify him with everything but him. Really are. So their identity isn't in Christ. Their identity is in a certain form of teaching that they've been brought up in rather than being a a, an identity of a member of the body of Christ. See, how can I love my brother as myself unless I know I'm joined to him in the body of the Lord? Amen. See, unless I come to that understanding that he's one in the Lord just like I am, I'm always going to look at my brother and, and, and be high-minded and not even understand that I'm being high-minded because I'm going to look at Brother Dave and I'm going to say, well, Brother Dave doesn't know what I know, and so I'm better. You know, I may not say this out loud, but, but my actions will speak that I'm better than Brother Dave because of all the knowledge and revelation I have, instead of actually seeing that the same Lord is Lord over Brother Dave and Brother Wayne. That Brother Wayne doesn't have no big thing on Brother Dave, and neither does Brother Dave have any big thing on Brother Wayne. And then the attitude will begin to change because instead of you wanting to rule over Brother Dave, if you do have an understanding of the Lord, you'll want to bring Brother Dave into the understanding of the Lord you have. Not rule over it. Not create a division. Not create a hierarchy. See, all these things have been done in the church. And are, and are, are actually functioning today. That somehow pastors and teachers are, are, are on a tier above everybody else. And see, the ministry of the kingdom of God is a pastor and teacher is the servant of the body. Because in the kingdom of God, you, you're servants to the body. Yes, sir. My Lord and my See, it's a whole different operation than operation of man. Because operation of man's opposite, right? The kingdom of man would have all of the, the lower tier 
serving the higher. That wasn't the order Jesus brought. Here Jesus, being in the form of God, made himself not robbery, being equal to God, and here he comes in the, in the form of man, and he begins to do what? Serve man. He comes to love them, admonish them. See, see, just in that little bit of understanding of the kingdom of God, if you can see that, that is different than the kingdom of the world. Because he didn't, he didn't tell the high priest there when they were going to kill him, you need to bow down to me, I'm the king, man. Did he? No. He gave himself up. He didn't, he didn't say, say, Peter, go, go stop them from getting me. He, and instead, he said, take me and not them. Amen. You see the difference in the principle. See, I, want, I guess sometimes, like I did a few weeks ago, and I, and I, and I get, start seeing some of these things, I just want to preach, and I have to restrain myself so I can say it because, because it's so... It's so good, yes, sir. and I want to I want to deliver it in a way that that can that it can be received. But inside, if I if I just turn loose, man, right now I could do some serious preaching because that's that's where where it's at in me. Because the body of Christ does not discern the body of Christ. See, that, see, see, I read this last week in the book of Acts. It says that they had all things in common. That, that when the apostles were, were teaching, they were going from house to house, breaking bread, and it talks how they, they sold lands and properties and they brought it to the apostles' feet and so forth. The, the big picture in there was they had all things common. In other words, they saw all as one. And I begin to see through Brother James and Paul's and John's and Peter's writing, this is what they're telling them over and over again. <laughs> that you're one. Not to dissimulate, not to, not to prefer one above another. And see, we look at these things and we, and we think, well, you know, that ain't deep. Well, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm understanding it by the flesh... You're, you're probably right. Because we read that and we... we, we I, I don't think we've understood, and Brother Stanley and I have talked about this for a long time, we've not understood how, how to handle some of Paul's writings to be truthful. Just slip the cat out of the back. Because you want to automatically go back to the law. And God... And, and, and the Lord is... The Word has made it plain that we're not under the law. Right? The Word of God makes it plain. So how do I handle what Paul says? I have to handle it by the Spirit. And if I understand it by the Spirit, I understand that you're one. And now you're operating out of an understanding that as you are one with the Lord, you're one with Wayne and Barbara. Now, it's not just me and Jesus like Conti Hall saying, having our own thing going. Now, that's 
how men in the church want to have it. Men, Jesus got her own thing going. That doesn't work because Jesus joined you to a body. And that principle won't work because of what He did. That they, He didn't say that you might be one. That they. So he, He's looking at the whole, and He says they may be one as I am in them. Not I am in Brother Stanley. I am in them, thou art in me, that they may be made perfect in one. So the picture here is that many are one. And the one is in many. And and that's how we operate in not honoring one above another because the same Christ that's in Henry Stanley is the same Christ that's in Brother Wayne. So he hasn't, and he may operate out of Henry Stanley, in a different office than he operates out of Brother Wayne, but it's the same Christ. It's the same one. Yes, sir. And, as, and, and Sister Shirley, as the Lord was dealing with me, I, I, I thought of the many times, that, you know, I prophesied to you many, two or three times, and I've told you that in the prophecy. And I was, I was thinking of that as the Lord had showed me this in the Word and just come back to me you know, I've told you many times, you're, you're not less than your brother in the Lord because the same Lord that's in Him is the same Lord that's in you. That's why. So, so he's, he's made you just as He's made Him a member of His body. Now, you may not have the function, and you don't. You don't have the functioning of Him. But you have a functioning in the body of Christ. And that functioning is necessary. Important. You're important to the Lord. So if you're important to the Lord, then you should be important to His body. And that's what God has shown me. And I'm sitting here looking at this going, these ain't non-deep things he's talking about. He's talking about the functioning of the church in the earth. See, we've talked about for years about being in Christ, and, and we understand we're in Christ, but then we don't function like we're in Christ. And see, see, that's what Paul was writing out of, was the functioning of the Lord that was working in him. Because through God's functioning in him, he could see every man one in Christ. You know what Paul wrote? That he would present every man holy? Even every man perfect. Every man perfect in Christ? That's what he wrote in the book of Christ. It's a mouthful. And instead of of a group of people coming together and believing like, you know, believers, God has made you righteous. Most Christians walk around saying, am I righteous? Not sinners. Not unbelievers. Christians. They're not secure in what Jesus did. And whose fault it is is the ministry. 
So you say, wait, why are they not secure? Because the ministry has told them week after week after week, you better pray through. You better get right. I can't get no more right than receiving Jesus that died for me and bled for me and suffered on the cross and bore my shame. He did that, that I would be the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, what's holding me back from that? My mind. I've got to be, my mind has to be changed. If my mind isn't changed and my heart doesn't change, I'm going to walk around wrestling with the truth. And that what Brother Jacob did all those years ago? He wrestled with God. He, he wrestled with the truth. And we wrestle with the truth. Who God hath cleansed, he said to Peter, call not common or unclean. So God's cleansed you. You're not common. Or are you unclean? I, I told a lady, I pulled up to the street Lord was dealing with me. I said, drive through window and I, I start. I had eight. I say I'm starving. You see, I, I look like I starve a lot. But for me, I'm hungry. I had eight in a long time. So for me, I'm hungry. I pull up to the drive through window to get some, something, and the Lord's dealing with me, and I'm like thinking, now is this the Lord? You know, am I going to say this? You don't think I don't think that? I think that just like you do. So, so finally, I, I, I get my food and drink, and I'm sitting there, and the Lord's still dealing with me, and, I, and, I, and I, she hit, had left the window crack, so I holler at her, come here, something like that. So she does. She said, ma'am, you know you are highly favored of the Lord. Come on now. She said, I've never heard anything like that. <laughs> and I said, well, you are. Words of life. And I began to share with her how he died for her, bled for her, and brought her, brought her to himself. Uh, highly favored. So instead of convincing God's body that they're highly favored, you're, you're good enough to be called the body of Christ, which makes you pretty good, right? If I'm the body of Christ, in His eyes, I'm pretty good. The world may think I'm, I'm a hypocrite. The world may think I'm everything else. But God says I'm the apple of His eye. God says I'm clean. God says I'm pure. God says I'm sanctified. And somewhere down the road, I'm just going to have to say, you know what, Lord? You're right. You're right. And that's what I'm talking about in the beginning of it. Instead of believing that, instead of believing that even if Bob messes up, that Jesus' blood is enough, and Bob has a heart after the Lord, and the Lord is able to keep those that are His, instead of me believing that and teaching that, most of the time we don't. Most of the time we walk around and talk and tear down the body of the Lord. And we don't even know we're doing it half the time. My Lord and my God. This is the Lord's body. Glory to God. Thank God. It, it, it's not up to what I think. It's up to Him. And thank God for that. Because if it was back when I was into, into legalism, and I was, 
I would have tore you up for how you wore your hair, for if you had on makeup, for if you had short sleeve shirt on. That's what I believed. And I couldn't keep it either. But I believed it. With James 4. Let's flip over James and we're going to go to Romans. If I don't get to where I want to go, I'll, I'll be done and not get all the way through there. James 4. And Brother James says, and we, we, we got, we've been 40 minutes, we've got 20 more, 25. Uh, James 4 1 says, Whence, where, whence comes the word? I love whence. Where do words come from? In other words, and where do fightings come from among you? Come they not, hence, even of your own pleasures that were in your members, where do they come from? You, your members. Hold your hands up. Members. So if I walk according to these, the flesh, that's where wars come from. So our warfare that we fight, that we fight in, James telling us where it comes from, it comes from our members. I don't think she's good enough. I'm telling you, that's a major issue. You may not think that's a big deal. That's a major issue. If, if she has received Jesus, she's good enough. And it doesn't matter what you think. And instead of criticizing her or him or them, help edify them in the truth. Because I'm telling you, this is what the church does. This is the nitty-gritty, man. This is what we've bounced around for years and not got into very much. There's the old saying where the rubber meets the road. Is is this is if if I understand it's like I told you if I understand I'm one with the Lord how can I not be one with my wife how can I then not have a relationship manifest my oneness with the Lord with my wife how can that be and see see it's out here because people don't understand I'm one with the Lord. Well, this is the Lord's body. So if I'm one with the Lord, why don't I see the body as Him? Amen. That's good. So, so if, I, if I'm going to meet Bob up, I'm meeting up Jesus. That, that's what Jesus told Paul. Why do you persecute them that believe on me? He didn't say that. He said, why do you persecute me? So he, he, was, he was calling the believers one, just like he said, that they may be one. So what you do to them, you're doing to me. So we that are believers, look what we're doing to ourselves, our own body. We are joined to the same Lord, but instead of, of functioning as people that are joined to the same Lord, we're in opposition. All the time. The church is out here in opposition with one another, and the world's looking at it, and all the world's saying, Why do I need that mess? And what they're saying, Look at them. They fight and bicker and, and carry on. Where's the life of Christ? Right. Well, the life of Christ 
is when I begin to see my brother as myself and I begin to admonish and care for my brother just like I would for myself. That was the flow of Jesus in the earth that He actually cared more for others than Him. That's the kingdom of God in operation. And we want to see the kingdom of God come. That's it. Blessed are the peacemakers. (laughs) Blessed are the merciful. He didn't just say those words for us to read over them. He said them because they were going to operate in the earth. They were going to have power. And they were going to have significance. And they were going to cause thrones and dominions and principalities to be cast down out of men and women's hearts. Amen. Men and women were going to beat their swords like we, like we read earlier, the plowshares. And they were going to begin to plow the field of God. You are God's husbandry. You're in His field. You're in His building. And they were going to be filled with the very substance of the person of Jesus Christ. The divine nature and character of God. Man, you're talking about God loving you. He's giving you His own nature. So He says, where comes wars and fights? They come from your lust. And you lust and you kill and you covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask it amiss you, you, that you may spend it on your own pleasures. You're asking out of your own desire. You, <laughs> Brother James, you adulteresses? <laughs> no, you're not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. See, because this is what the world does. The world seeks its own. The world is after itself. It's after its own place. It's always setting up itself. That's what Jesus was dealing with Pharisees. And, and, I, and I don't have the exact Scripture that I'm trying to, trying to get in my mind. And, and, he, and He told them they had their reward. Why? Because they were recognized by men as great men. That, that was their reward. That's it. And, and, and that's what Brother James is... You, you know, we read Brother James' writing and we, we don't think much of it sometimes. Well, if you see somebody in poor state coming to your fellowship, don't sit them in the back. Well, that's not deep, brother. He's dealing out the nature of God. It's very deep. Yes, if, if I don't see it by the Spirit, yeah, that, that's, not, that's not deep, but when I begin to see it out of the Spirit... What Brother James is dealing with is the same thing Paul's writing to the Ephesians when he says, You're, you Gentiles and Jews are of the same body. You're one. You know, Brother James isn't maybe going through the depth of that as Paul does, or, or, but, but he's dealing with the same principle that, that a poor man and a rich man in the physical world that are in Christ are in the same place and don't honor one above another. One's not more important than the other one because it's one body. Amen. And see, this is the mind shift that has to change. In, in the book of Romans 12, and, I, and I'm going to read Romans 12 and then read in, in 2 Corinthians 10, and, and, I, and that's probably as far as I get. I had a whole lot to read, but I talked too much. 
Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. See, again, when we read this, we just think me and Jesus. I'm going to go out here and present my body a sacrifice by myself. And to a measure, we have our relationship with the Lord. But in our mind, that's just me and Jesus. Well, what he's talking about is how we also how we operate with other people which is your spiritual service, and be not fashioned according to this world. I love this translation, be not fashioned. In other words, don't put on the world, but be you transformed. How do you get transformed? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, we'll read that and stop. Now listen, if we don't stop. For I say, through the grace of that was given me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now, why did Paul write that there? Because it goes together. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> so he tells them not to think more highly than they ought to think, but so to think as to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man, or each man, a measure of faith. That God has dealt with every man a measure of faith, for even as we have many members. See what Paul goes right into? The body. Again, the discernment of the body. He goes right here of offering yourselves living sacrifices and to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. And he comes right down and he brings into view the body of Christ. Because that's the mind of the Lord. His body. That's what you are in the mind of the Lord. You're His body, and so is Darlene. See, that's the mind of God. That's His mind. Now you are the body of Christ, and a body functions together as one. So if I'm not functioning together as one, then what am I doing? I'm me and Jesus with my own thing going. And, and that's the issue, or one of the if issues in, that has chewed up the church. Because we read this transformation, but then we don't see what it transforms into. We don't see what it gets renewed into. We read that we've got to be transformed. Well, as I begin to see the Lord, I have to see the Lord's body, do I not? If I begin to see the Lord, is He not going to make me view His glorious body? Sure He is. My Lord and my God. That's why it happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw no man save Jesus only among themselves. They didn't just say they saw Jesus only. I think one, one of the, I think maybe Mark says that. But but another place it says they saw Jesus only among themselves. They saw Christ in you. And so they begin to deal with one another out of that understanding that this great Christ that is in them is the same great Christ that is in you and that you have a function in the body of Christ. And see, this is what's wrong. Well, just spell it out for you. I work some weeks 60 hours a week, some weeks I don't work as much, some weeks I probably work more. I'd love to come visit you all. I live an hour 
And 15 minutes or hour and 20 minutes over that way. Or that way, whatever. I'll take the floor that way. Not, I don't live here. You're going to my house, my brother. Anyway, the, the point is, I love to get up and have the time to come through this whole fellowship and sit with you all. I really would. I don't have time. That may not be my function. My function may be to teach the Word on Sunday morning. That may be my function. And Brother Andrew, in the back's function may be to visit the members. Because it's a body. And see, what happened was the pastor became this Superman. Pastor goes to visit, pastor prays, pastor does this, pastor does that. That's not a body. In football, that would mean quarterbacks getting killed. Everybody else don't know anything. Just pastor, just just Tom Brady. If, if the rest of the Patriots decide today that all they need is Tom Brady to play, they're going to lose. And they're going to lose bad. But it doesn't work that way. It's functioning. But see, but see, for some reason, this got lost. This got lost somewhere down the road that it became a you know in, in a fellowship two or three, and a lot of times one that does it all. And that was never God's order. That was never God's mind. If it was, He wouldn't have talked about. It. He would have just said, I, "I've given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And if you're not one of them, you." You missed it. He didn't say that. He goes through here and said, I gave every man. He's speaking through through Paul, every man a measure of faith. For as there are many members in one body, and all the members have not the same office, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and severally member and you know, jointly members one of another. And have gifts differing according to the grace that was given to us, whether it is prophecy, let us prophesy. So if I read this right, maybe I misunderstand it. I may not be a preacher and I can still prophesy because the gift of prophecy is given to me. And whether it's ministry, let us minister. Whether it's teaching, let us teaching. Exhort, exhort. If it's giving, so evidently there's a, there's a function of giving. Let him give. Liberally. And rule of, rule of diligence and mercy. Cheerfulness. Man, this, this is a functioning body. Yes, sir. And that's what I see. I, I, I saw this some time ago, and I know I've been a while, and I've got to read one more Scripture, got to read it, but I'm going to say this. I saw this some time ago just with our little fellowship that, man, what's wrong? We, we've got Dave. He's a, they call him a sound engineer. He, he sound technician, whatever he likes. I don't care what he likes. But he's got that office. If Dave didn't do it, wouldn't get done, right? Calvin takes care of a lot of Calvin and Dave and Shirley and Andrew. They take care of a lot of building work here. The yard's getting mowed. Doesn't get a lot of appreciation. Shirley for years coming here back. Clean. Who does it? Yes. See, that's the that's function of life. That's not 
important. I mean, I mean, I know this building ain't the church, but that ain't important. Church important. And it needs to be recognized. It needs to be, you know, the, the, the functioning of, of, of Shirley, of Andrew, of Bob, of Wayne and Barbara, of whatever function you're functioning needs to be recognized, not just, Brother Wayne, that's a real good word. Okay, good. I hope I minister a good word. I hope the Lord allows me to minister life into you. I seek God to do that. And I want to do that. And I want to operate in my office. But I don't want to operate in your office too. See, that's the thing. I just want to operate in the office the Lord has gave me and I want you to operate. I want you to be free to operate. If you're, if you're the singer or the, or the song minister, be the song minister. I'm not. I stink at singing. And I know I love to sing, but I absolutely stink. I can't keep a tune. And if it was up to me, you probably would. If I got up there and started playing on the piano, like, like, I meant, like I preached, you wouldn't say, boy, that was a good song. Be like, man, I hope that guy quits. But that's because there's functions in the body. But I can't control that function. I have to free it. I have to let it be. So I, so I wish brethren would come here. I wish a committee would come and say, Hey, Brother Stanley, Brother Wayne, we want to go visit the, the poor. We want to visit the needy. We want to, we want to have tracts or whatever we want to call them. We want to have some information ahead on our fellowship. I wish it would happen. I wish it would move in your heart to happen. That, that there would be a function. One last scripture that I'm going to read. I just think that's so important. 2 Corinthians 10.1. I won't read it all, but I got down 10.1 through 18. So I'll so read. More of that story is read 2 Corinthians 10. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. 2 Corinthians 10, 1. Second. Second. If I said first, I meant second. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you when away. I beg you that when I come, I, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of the world. Here's that big word, world, again. See, the world lives unto its own. It doesn't live unto a body. It lives unto its own. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons... We fight with are not weapons of the world. Am I in the right place, Bob, or not? The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Well, I read out this translation because I read it through multiple translations and I liked it, so forgive me. 
And it says, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. You are judging by appearances. Let me get to this. You are judging by appearances. Now, what does your King James say there? Verse 7. Somebody read it. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? Do you look on things after the outward? Now, this one says, you are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. You're judging by appearances. And see, what Paul, what, what I saw here is, is, is you, you know, again, a lot of times I read, if I read this, I would have just read verse 4, the weapons we fight with or the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through the strong. We read that one. But, then he, but he, didn't stop, he didn't stop there, even start there. He starts in that chapter, or that part of his letter, saying, by humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I come to you in humility of the Lord. And the weapons of our warfare is not carnal, but powerful through the Lord to the pulling down of strongholds. And he goes into what, what and he begins to say, you, you, you know, not to judge. If you belong to Christ, not to judge others. That's what he's saying. That they don't belong to Christ because as you belong to Him, so do they. And see, 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 I think some of the stronghold that we wrestle with is with judges. And instead of believing that what God has done, He did, that He died for all, and those that have received Him are His, and to their own master they stand or fall, we, 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 we have a tendency to look at them and, and want to judge them by our standard instead of God's standard. We do. Because we, we judge by our own sight. And again, Paul brings the view, what, what have I read all morning? All morning long, the writers are bringing you to a vision of the body of Christ. All, you know, all through, whether it be John, whether it be James, whether it be Paul. How many times did Paul deal with, you are, you know, he spells it out pretty plain there in one place in First Corinthians. Now you are, what? The members of the body of Christ, but we don't hear it. Members doesn't mean now, now, Barbara, you are the body of Christ. No, you are members, which means you are a part of. You're not it by yourself. You are a member joined to the Lord and joined to His whole body. That's the gospel. And, and, and when something comes and exalts itself against that and says, Brother, Sister Shirley, she just ain't right. Cast it down. It's a lie. Amen. And say to it, excuse me, say to it, that's not true. You can turn me out. That's not true. What's that? That... That's what I'm saying. We speak contrary to the Word of God. 
I'll give you one more example in a stock. I told David I'll raise stock, but I'm going to give you one more. Apostle Paul writes, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Romans 8. Romans 8, that's what I'm getting ready to say. And then they may be questioning the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but that's what Paul says. You're not in flesh. And people go, I'm in flesh. Yeah. He says, you're not. So evidently your body, your flesh body may not be what he's talking about. You, the inner man, your, your, your spirit, your soul, your mind, your inner man is in Christ. Amen. You have a body to function, to give functioning or manifestation of He that's in you. So you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. But see, most of us live unto God just like we're flesh men trying to make it to heaven. See, see, we don't agree with the Word of God. We, 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 with these thoughts, come against what Christ has done. And I, and I know I'm not the only one here that has them, am I? No. But see, but see, that's what Paul says. He says to cast them down. How do I cast them down? Do I just say? I cast you down, maybe. I don't think so. I think I take the truth. I take the understanding of the Lord and I say, Lord, that's not true. That through the knowledge of Christ, we are members one of another. We are joined to the Lord. We are sanctified by Your work. We are made whole in You. I'll stop right there. Ain't that, ain't that pretty powerful that the Lord says we're made whole?